are listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. Before we get started, make sure you connect with us on social media at Range Minded on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you'll get everything that goes along with all of our episodes and see our latest posts. This is episode 146, where we talk about the current events happening in the gun world of August, February 2021. Now, there's a lot going on, so we've got a lot to cover, so we'll just jump right into it. Thanks for listening, and as always, we hope you enjoy episode 146 of Range Minded, the current events of February 2021. Hello and welcome to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. My name is Mark Long and I am joined as always by... Hello from the Eastern Front. Hey, it's Steve Zimmerman. And you're not frozen yet. No, it's been cold, but I'm not completely frozen. That's good. And we are also joined by... As long as my sketchy internet holds up, Nick Hoffer. How's it going, friends? It is going. How are you guys been? It's been a good day. It's been a good day. Yeah. Do you guys realize? Do you guys realize what today is? Right. Today's Valentine's um, Day. We're recording on Valentine's Day. Oh, it's Valentine's Day too. <laughs> Shoot, was I supposed to get someone flowers today? Uh, no, I was supposed to get Steve flowers, flowers. I think. I was just check. Well, just checking. It's not just Valentine's Day. I mean, I guess. I guess whatever. But uh, t- today was 119 years ago. No. 101 years ago, whatever. Today's the day that the, the patent was filed for the 1911. Really? Yeah. Oh. Wow. Well, it is a special day then, isn't it? It is amazing. And bonus points, who invented the 1911, Steve? Oh, it was 110 years ago, and it was John Moses Browning. The one and only. One of the uh, biggest uh, pioneers of the firearms industry uh, ever, I would say. <laughs> The biggest thing to happen to firearms since gunpowder. Yeah, man. So, well, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Hundred, yeah. you said one hundred and nineteen years. One hundred and ten. One hundred and ten. It's still my a long time ago. Yeah, my math was off just a hair. But happy Valentine's Day and nineteen eleven day. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's just let's just be clear that a hair for Steve apparently is nine years. So it's because it takes me that long to grow any. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> That is true. That is true. So, um, but uh, in in addition to um, that, it seems like there's a lot going on uh, firearms world related lately, and um, yeah. we're here to talk yes, about it all because we haven't. It, well, I I want to say it's been a while since we've done a current events um, podcast or episode, it's, but it's been a few, hasn't it? Uh, maybe, it's yeah. been a couple weeks. I, I guess it's an, it's enough time or enough things have passed to uh, warrant another one because there is a lot going on. And um, it seems like more than a couple weeks, but uh, you know, nine years is a lot to me too. So, <laughs> yeah. So who knows, really? Um, but let's uh, let's start off. Um, I figured I could start by talking about good news. Oh, good news is good. Yeah, because there's some not so good news going on too. Um, but oh, you read that too, huh? Yeah, it's around there. It's kind of hard to uh, hard to avoid. But um, I feel like maybe I should start paying attention to the news before we do these. <laughs> well, only when we're <laughs> doing you know what, current events. Whatever you're about to say is going to be brand new news to me. <laughs> well, then you are listening to the news, right? Yeah, I, exactly. You guys are definitely the only news I listen to. Um, Well, uh, the good news is that more people are buying guns still more than ever. We're uh, still breaking records for firearm sales in the uh, firearm industry. Um, 
the Washington Post actually rec- reported on this about a week or two ago um, that in January alone, there were two million background checks for firearm sales. Holy scrud. Where are they finding the guns to buy? Uh, that's I mean, maybe they're just going for whatever they can get now. So all the Tauruses and, uh, you High know, points. the Jennings, Jennings are all are all selling out now. Now, they don't have any ammo for those guns, but but they're definitely buying the guns. Right. No, it's actually funny you mentioned that because there was a, a quote in there where uh, somebody was going into a gun store to just to buy ammo or whatever, and they actually got laughed at by the uh, the sales guy because there's no 9 mil ammo anywhere. But um, $2 million well, in January. Steve, if you want. Say that again? I was going to say, if there is some ammo coming to the Valley on Tuesday, I have a, I have an inside track on 15,000 rounds. So That'll go fast. Yep. That's it's gonna, already gone. That's, yeah, seriously. <laughs> now that you've said it, it's already, it's, it's already been taken and called well, for, and that's if everybody, it. So. If, if everybody follows my Instagram every single week, I give an update of what store in the Valley has texted me and told me that they have ammo. There you go. There's some good marketing there. So, <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeah, follow the Hoftech Industries Instagram page because on Monday morning I will tell you where that nine. It's nine millimeter, seven six two by thirty nine, five five six. Uh, some shotgun and forty five, I believe, and it all came here from California. Really? Yep. Out of all places. I know. I was kind of surprised. Good to know. But yes, I'm not going to be around. Gosh. <laughs> well, we can always save some for you. Please. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, – but, you know, ammo problems aside, um, seems like there are a lot of people still buying a lot of guns, which is great. Um, that is great news. And uh, the numbers finally came back for 2020 because we had talked about this, um, about the number of background checks in 2020. Um, yeah. Twenty-three million, according to the Washington Post, was the ones who uh, recorded this or wrote this article. Twenty-three million. Yeah, yeah, and then they kind of went a little bit deeper, actually, and they talked about what the demographics were um, of those, and apparently, forty percent of those were new gun owners. So, what's twenty-three million times point four? Eight million people, maybe, maybe more. No, that's that doesn't crazy. Seem, my math is completely wrong, I think. <laughs> nine million? Uh, 9.2 million. There you go. Yeah, that's a lot, I would say. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So I think that, you know, those nine million new people are going to, um, you know, have a thing or two to say about gun control, uh, you know, if that if and when that comes around. So let's think of this really quick because we we brought up ammo. So if every one of those new gun owners bought two boxes of ammo, say they bought a pistol. I mean, some of them bought rifles, but if they bought two boxes of pistol ammo, that's 109 million rounds that, that in the year 2019 was not even considered to be purchased in 2020 because those people had never bought a gun previous. That's yeah. 190 million extra rounds. Yeah, man, that's yeah. wild. So that's on top. So any projections that any of the ammo companies came up with in 2019, even to say, oh, well, it's an election year, it's going to be high. They were 110 million rounds in a deficit 
after those new gun owners. Insane, man. Insane. Absolutely nuts. So so that so that just put a little bit of perspective into everybody's eyes of of why we're experiencing what we're on top of this gun control and election and you yeah. know all of this other uncertainty. So so what does that tell us? Like what should we learn from this experience? Uh wh- wh- which experience? <laughs> well, just yeah, the which exper- one are we experiencing? <laughs> well, let's just focus on the ammo, right? This ammo shortage. What what should we learn from this? Have a backup. Um, that we should we should never let our ammo go under a thousand rounds. A hundred percent. Yeah, always we, have a backup. We should be buying one or two boxes a week, even if we shoot or not. Yeah, yeah, you need. Uh, to- I, I mean, that's at a, a minimum, like one to two. So here's boxes what a week. here's what I'm going to take from this, and and not from what you just said, but here's what I I foresee in the future. So when we had the 22 ammo shortage in 2013, 2014. I, people did exactly what you just said, right? And so now they're sitting on, well, maybe not now, but for a while they were sitting on thousands and thousands of rounds, right? I yeah. see this, especially with new gun owners and people uh, being their eyes open to, uh, I don't want to say hoarding, but uh, prepping in, in advance for things and storing things because of the pandemic and all, all the food and whatnot and the stay-at-home orders. I see ammo sales for the next 10 years being extremely high. Oh yeah. It's not going to go down anytime soon. That might be true. Well, it, well, but if it's 10 years, I reckon well within that, you know, the first couple of years that they will be expanding ammunition manufacturing. I, hope I believe so. that as well. But also, I don't know if I spoke about this before last month when I found out, but Steve, have you, you might've heard this too. So I got an email from some of the distributors saying that ammo costs are going to go up. I think it was like 20%, 10 to 20%. Even higher than than we have to deal with now? Yeah, starting from uh, next month. And it's coming from the manufacturer side, not the distribution side. So that the overall cost is going to go up. Yeah. Because they're, because they're, got to be gearing up for tooling and, and manufacturing. And to slow, well, the, also, to slow the demand. I think it's to slow the demand to to increase production as well as people are already paying more. So what happens when the demand goes up and the prices go up? It's just it's just like we see this when the government steps in and starts like supplementing any type of industry, right? They're gonna the ammo prices went up, so now the consumer is adjusted to paying twenty eight dollars a box. Yeah, I guess you're used to it. The manufacturer is going to say, well, they're already paying $28 a box and we can't keep up. So we're going to raise the price. And from now on, those prices are never going to go back down on right. ammo. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So any prices that we were used to paying on components or anything from now on, I believe, will always be 10 to 15% higher. That, that, I could see how that might be. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense logically, but it still doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, because I was I was enjoying a year, year and a half ago that being able to pay what, 10, 12 bu- bu- bucks a box for ammo or less or less, depending. So you, yeah. You, just, you take it to any other industry, take like gasoline. Like when's the last time? That's that the first thing I thought of. Had, yeah. Yeah. That we had 97 cent gasoline. I mean. Growing up, that's all I remember the price being. Yeah. But as a 
as an adult, I I don't remember gas being under two dollars very often. Yeah, yeah. I think once Even, in maybe the last ten years, it's been under two bucks, maybe. Yeah, but, and there was a pre- there was a point last year, or the year before, where like the price of oil was in the negative. We were paying to yeah. store oil, right? So yeah. It is I don't know. absolutely crazy. So, but Nick, you you said something interesting. There was n- not just ammo, but components. Do you think that it's going to be more expensive to uh, build an AR or uh, upgrade, you know, parts on your firearms now too? Well, I, when I said components, I meant like re- like ammunition components. Gotcha. But okay. I, I would be interested to see what's going to happen with some of these bills that they're trying to pass. What the what the compromise is going to be because it could get more expensive if they start like limiting the sales channels and uh components could go up because just like with the ammo people start uh when supply is low and the price goes up uh even me as a manufacturer like i i want to get my piece of that as well if the retailer is selling at if he's selling a holster that i'm selling to him for 25 dollars and it's normally 50 to the store and they've raised the price to 75 I need I mean, your piece of the pie. Huh? Yeah. Right. Why, why, why would that get kicked, kicked back to me? And the only way that happens is for me to raise my price. Yeah. It goes up the chain really. Yeah. And that's not necessarily greed. That's just, you know, if it's I the market. might want to limit the amount of sales, maybe I don't want to sell that much. So I'm like, you know what? The price for me is going to go up, which drives the price from 75 to 80 at the store. And now I, now it slows the sales down and I can catch up. Right. Yeah. Or me being the capitalist that I am, like if someone else is making more money than me on something that I'm doing all the work on, like I want to make more money too. Right. Right. No, it makes perfect sense. So. It's just, yeah, it's it, it's just the way it's going to go. I think as more people get in any get in on the the sport anyway, and and want to defend themselves, um, which kind of brings me back to some more interesting details about this Washington Post article. First, that it was in the Washington Post to begin with, but um, yeah, compost. <laughs> uh, most of the guns were actually small handguns, so I think most people want to get into the concealed carry game, or they're just grabbing whatever they can. Um, And like I said, 40% of that was first time gun owners. um, And a lot of anecdotal evidence um, in the article, people were saying that um, they originally thought that the police were going to be able to protect them no matter what. And they've realized that that's not a realistic notion to have um, and that you are more responsible for your safety than I think what people uh, originally think. And so people are trying to figure out how they can take, you know, um, take their safety into their own hands. Right. Yeah. I I think that states like Washington and Oregon have proved to the citizens that the the police can't protect you as much as they believed that they could. And and the state governments aren't there for you as much as you believed that they were. Sure. I mean, they've made it a a Washington has has passed legislation to decriminalize crime if you're experiencing a hardship you can get away with committing crime so why why wouldn't you invest in your personal protection yeah it just and it's you know i've said it for for years is that you are responsible for your own safety and security um you know and that's to however much or little you want to to invest in that and um because at the end of the day, you know, you're in the situation, you've got to worry about yourself. Um, you know, there's only so many police, but there's all, you know, all different kinds of 
criminals and you're, you know, you don't know what kind of situation you can get in just going to work or going down the road. So it's, it's important to do that. Yeah. I just ADD moment. I was scrolling through some news today and I can't remember what city it was. One of the cities that decided they were going to defund the police. And, uh, they saw such a surge in crime that last week they decided to refund their police department, like $68 million. Really? <laughs> they decided not having cops was a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, you have to have some sort of law enforcement. You can't just completely abandon that notion or else, you know, especially well, you think about, we hear, you know, we're all law abiding citizens and we hear, oh, well, you know, there's no more police. That's this is what's going to happen. If you think you're a criminal and you say, Oh, well, there's no cops. I can do whatever I want. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how, uh, how the nature of man will still fall down to doing something ridiculous at some point. Well, it's just an opportunity. There's a, there's an opportunity to make something happen. So yeah, man. True story. Um, so that's the good news though. At least that is that, as of this point, I mean, I guess maybe it's not necessarily good news, depending on how you look at it, but um, the amount of gun owners in the country is growing, which I think is a good thing. And that means that you're going to have more people in that camp to be able to kind of stand up and fight for our gun rights, which uh, I'm guessing from what you guys have to talk about in the current events, we're all going to need. Well, Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so, but that's my but, good news. What What do you guys got to talk about? Well, I read something, well, a few days ago that I was really excited about. And I even, and, you know, shared this with you guys, I think, in a text. But uh, I'll just read you this press release. And it's actually pretty awesome. So, Seska Zabrowska Group, also known as CZ. The one and only. Uh, they, this is, this is their release hereby informs that on 11 February, 21, it signed a definitive agreement to acquire 100% of outstanding equity interests in the cult holding company, LLC. So that means CZ bought cult, which is insane. I, I think it's fantastic personally. Yeah. I think I was going to ask, do you guys think this is good news, bad news? Um, what do you think is going to come out of this? Well, Colt is, you know, Colt, Colt had a great reputation up until the 90s, I would say, maybe even into the 2000s. I guess the weapons ban, the, that that hurt Colt because they were known for 1911s and AR-15s sure. in the, the, you know, in the, this later part of their life. And so they were kind of just stuck building AR-15s and 1911s. Um, their revolvers took, you know, they, they just weren't as high quality as they were back in the day. And uh, they just never could get out of building two different kinds of firearms. And uh, once they finally did get out of that hiccup and they brought some of the some of their older firearms back, like the, the Cobra or the Python, they were just crap. Yeah, like, I mean, that happened, what, last year? Yeah, the last couple of years. And, and CZ's never been, or excuse me, Colt's never really been able to get out of it. They've, they've had problems with financing before. They thought they had come out of they it. They struggled They've struggled for uh, like five years ago. They they got rid of the cult competition side and kind of yeah. like struggled to. Yeah, they were solve. they were really they were really trying to be relevant. Was the problem they just weren't relevant anymore? You can't survive in a market of two different platforms or two different firearms. You know, it just doesn't work. Um, so to see that CZ decided that it was going to absorb the company and and take in 
you know, just walk in and, and fix it, I think it's fantastic. Now, maybe maybe some of the listeners don't realize that CZ owns Dan Wesson, which are tremendous 1911s. Right. And, and so uh, I think this is a good move. Yeah, I mean, and aside from Dan Wesson, CZ makes great firearms anyway. Yeah. Like yeah, just absolutely. all across the board. They don't really don't make a bad firearm. Yeah, so it says down here that CZ is going to acquire 100% of the stake of Colt. Um, they're going to, let's see, $220 million in issuance of one million, over a million shares of stock. So that's that's a lot. That's a lot of assets mixed in there. That's a lot of money, yeah. And CZ's excited because later on, this is uh, this is off the firearms blog. Later on, they go through the the CZ executive is excited. He says, "Hey, we finally you know have a, a real share in the American market and the Canadian." Because they also bought Colt Canada. There's a, a oh really in Canada that that dealt with the Canadian military. So Colt has always had a relationship with the United States military, um, uh, even up till now. And so CZ is excited because they now have the ability to to sell it to the civilian market and the military market. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic move for CZ. Yeah, I think so. Nick, what do you think? Um, I think I agree with Steve. I don't know a whole lot about CZ other than they make pistols that I don't like. <laughs> I'll tell you, shoot one. Tell you, shoot one. Yeah, they're pretty nice. I, I, I like them a lot. Yeah, I think they make a they make a nice gun. It is kind of the hipster gun. Oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, it has a uh, reputation. Yeah, it's they make good guns. I think their twenty-two bolt action rifle is one of the most accurate accurate bolt action rim fires out there. Well, and the uh, the CZ Scorpion is actually a lot of fun too if you're into pistol caliber carbines. So yeah, I suppose the CZ Scorpion's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's just a little bit of fun, but um, yeah. Do you think we're going to be seeing um, some you know Colt firearms come back then too, and and maybe redesigned to be up in um, quality with with 2021 style firearms it it doesn't go into I highly doubt they're gonna re you know discontinue the Colt name because uh, it's an iconic firearm manufacturer yeah there's a lot so, of branding potential behind it I'm sure they'll keep it and maybe they'll fix that Python um, because yeah. that is by far the best revolver I've ever shot was an old python an original yeah an original that i had a chance to buy and didn't because i'm an idiot <laughs> but uh yeah yeah i think uh, i think it's going to be a good thing for for colt and, and it'll be a good thing for consumers i mean cz's been around for a long time colt's been around the united states for well, it says here 175 years yeah, I mean so, it's an American company, so it's uh, it's a big deal, and uh, hopefully we're able to to get some get some better firearms out of it and more firearms out of it with uh, you know uh, CZ taking that over. I think you know because like I said, wh- whether or not you like shooting them or not, I think they make good solid firearms, and they make you know most of their are their handguns and stuff are still all all metal guns. Um, and so if you have experience doing that, I think that kind of fits into what Colt's all about with the 1911 and, um, you know, those kind of firearms or whatever. So they have the experience to, you know, make those kind of firearms. I, hopefully that, that, uh, that experience works out for them, you know? Well, CZ, the, the P10, right. That's the only polymer 
Well, yeah, nothing. and that thing's that thing's been a great success for them. They've been selling that a lot um, in the last couple of years since it came out. I think. Yeah. So I I'm, I might have a different take on this because I don't see I, I've seen I've seen a lot of companies take over competitors and, and buy out other especially in the firearms industry and it doesn't normally work out to the way where it's like that company takes over company B. I, I think it's more of a financial thing. So CZ has cash to Lots invest and buy. Yeah, the, true. But I don't see I don't see them doing anything as far as blending the brands. Probably what I see not. happening is them using their experience, their business management, and maybe some of their resources, and infusing that money into Colt and revamping the leadership at Colt. But I think that Colt will stay Colt and stay on the same like track as it's as it's on but with a with a more solvent and more like successful future but sure. i i have i highly doubt that you even recognize that cz is a part of cult no maybe the only thing that you might see is just better fit and finish yeah and i know i nick i agree with you actually too we're not going to see any kind of like cz cold crossover or anything like that but i think like you said they're, they're going to work on you know addressing the leadership um and and just making it a more you know a better running company a more profitable company and like steve said maybe a little bit more better fit and finish you know yeah, I hope so. And may- maybe there'll be some Colt polymer guns. Maybe. <laughs> Could be. Hey, you never know. Yeah. I mean, like I, has, there, like I said has be- there ever been a Colt polymer gun? I don't, I can't even think of one. Not that no. I know of. Uh-uh. I don't we, think so. Like I talked about before, Colt just kind of stalled and, and built two or three models and that was it. Like, yeah. Or vari- variants of those models. And uh Yeah. Well, like you said, it, you know, the, that um, that assault weapons ban, I think, really did hurt them because they were selling a lot of ARs back in the day. Um, and then when that ban happened, that that kind of, you know, hurt, hurt the uh, what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and maybe you should talk about that when with that assault weapons ban, because I think, Steve, out of the three of us, you're the the one who remembers it the best or the, at all. The most seasoned. <laughs> yeah. So. And this might be willing, you know, it's it's relevant today more than ever, honestly. Yeah. And we're going to get to that. But in 94, Bill Clinton, uh, with the aid, actually, of uh, Joe Biden, composed the assault weapons ban of 94, which which uh, made those big, black, scary guns uh, illegal to import or manufacture. Right. Uh, for 10 years. It did have a sunset. Now, if we see another bill like this, I highly doubt we'll see a sunset on it. Um, but I also have a hard time believing it'll go through this go-round just because there's so many new gun owners and many of them are Democratic voters. Right. So, uh, but yeah, so when I was a kid, like I don't remember much about it other than at gun shows I saw them and then like the next year I never saw them again. And uh and then I just didn't think anything about it until 2004, and uh, suddenly there were AR-15s everywhere. 
Yeah. And, and really, I mean, a whole, I brought this up a few times, a whole industry, um, has sprouted up among it. And there's so many companies, uh, making components and parts and pieces and innovations for the AR platform and other, you know, platforms too. But, um, and it's important, important to understand that they're not just American companies. It's international companies have come together to make parts. Yeah, it's all over the place. So, um, and yeah, you, you kind of mentioned, I, I kind of did that on purpose that it's kind of a, a segue into um, really today's news, I would say. This is kind of, I guess, breaking. Yeah, it's, it's fresh off today's news press. Why don't you me, tell us about it, Steve? Have, let me pull it up here in my, my saved documents. So this was off of, uh, I pulled the Daily Wire's version of this story off. And so... February 14th is also, uh, not Sandy Hook. What's the other one? Uh, Parkland. Yeah, the Parkland shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today, uh, the uh, the White House sent out a a press release. And and, uh, this is just an excerpt from it. He says, I'm calling on Congress to enact common sense gun law reforms, including requiring background checks on all gun sales which pretty much happens, banning assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, and eliminating immunity for gun manufacturers, now this is an important one, who knowingly put weapons of war on our streets. So basically what he's saying is, when they talk about assault weapons, they're talking about semi-automatics, not just AR-15s or anything like that. So what, what do we have in our safes that are semi-automatic? Uh, basically every long gun, except for maybe a pump action shotgun. What about your Glock? That's, I mean, yeah, that's also, <laughs> that's also that semi-automatic. Handguns can be considered assault weapons. They, there was uh there was some previous literature written when it was been a few months ago about, about handguns. Yep. Anything, anything semi-automatic. Now, I don't know if it's directly written within this, but just because of some of the stuff they've talked about previous, it included handguns. Uh, so the and, only handgun, so you could have a revolver, but yeah. other than a revolver and a semi-auto handgun, I've never shot a handgun that, uh, maybe a brake barrel? Maybe. Yeah, find one. Well, I guess they do have yeah. those, little, those little shotgun handgun things that you can break action. Or like a, like a, well, that's still a revolver. I was thinking of like a judge, but or oh, no, uh, the, the, Der- the, the Derringer. Yeah, Bond Arms. I guess you can have a Bond yeah. Arms. I don't sure. know anybody want one of those, but <laughs> and and high capacity magazines. I don't know about you, but every one of my magazines are standard capacity. Yeah, same here. I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't. I mean, I guess, I guess a hundred round magazine I might think of as high capacity. They're still don't they surefire. Oh, see, so listen to this. This is later on in the story too. I did read this, but I forgot this. It says in the statement, Biden calls for banning assault weapons. Luckily, amounts to calling for a ban on semi-automatic firearms. No, where there's no language including in this statement about allowing gun owners who currently own those weapons to be able to keep those weapons. So no grandfather clause. Uh, and and nothing to keep. Now, uh, it's going to be hard for the Democrats to make this happen, in my opinion, because they're like we just talked about. There are millions and millions of new firearms owners, and I am wagering to say that probably 
what, five, 10% of those are probably Democrat voters. Um, Maybe even more. And, and they know if this happens, there's, there's uh, more firearms there are than citizens in the United States. Okay. So there's more guns than people. And it's not read somewhere else today that over half of the households in the United States have firearms. So basically every other person would end up being a criminal in the U.S. if that happened. Well, and also out of those every other persons, a lot of those are voters. (laughs) And and so if they push something this radical and what we saw from What's-Her-Face from Texas, uh, midterms are not that far away. And so if they push something like this, they could receive heavy backlash uh, at the polls. So I don't well, know. I'm trying to figure out there, there's gotta be a silver lining. Like something in this, these uh, bills has, is supposed to bring us together and cause unity. So, so, I'm so trying this, to find the, this the, is their the version of their version of compromise. Like Maxine Waters bill is to introduce something completely radical. And then they pull a couple of things out and call it a compromise. Oh, kind of like how we uh, pulled handguns out of the, NFA, NFA Act and put in suppressors. Yeah, that's a compromise, right? Everybody wins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so Steve, you don't seem too terribly worried about it. Not, not yet. I think a lot of it's just uh, positioning and and being a blowhard about it. Uh, I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility, but I, what I would say is. Don't sit and wait to see what's going on. Get involved right now. I mean, we've talked about this before. Join Idaho Second Amendment Alliance, uh, Gun Owners of America, whatever, even the NRA. Join something to to at least put your money where your mouth is because uh, you can't wait. And make phone calls to the state. There's a lot of good things happening inside the state of Idaho and, and many other states, which we can talk about too with Utah, uh, where there's some traction to uh, – so. Keep your that's that's something I wanted. That's something I wanted to bring up. So in Idaho, we're a uh, right to carry state, constitutional mm-hmm. carry, and I do not remember it being as big of a deal as what happened in Utah this last week. Yeah, yeah you're right. And and I think and, and our law is a lot more lax than Utah's law. Oh, I man. mean, we extend that to to people passing through the state, and we drop the age all the way down to 18 well so, it didn't used to be that way though right but but up and but now it is and so yeah. what i'm curious about is why is it such a big deal that a state like utah that's already very uh firearms friendly has has done well done that because i think it's more of a big deal what's going on in texas oh yeah well texas there's a there's a big grab going on um what's the big deal with utah so Utah, despite what people think, uh, is turning blue rapidly. And so, uh, I mean, they just got rid of their, their Democrat governor, who's, I mean, he was a Republican, but he just as well been about, been a Democrat, uh, Herbert or whatever his name was. And so actually getting some traction, moving some, some real common sense gun laws happening to where, uh, they're allowing people to carry a gun like the constitution states was a big deal to the state because there are so many leftists and, and a lot of pushback there. So it's really not as, um, like you said, it's not as, as red as maybe most people would think. No. 
no, a lot of people think, well, because the Mormons are there and whatever, it's super conservative. Utah hasn't really been conservative for quite a while. Um, I mean, we have Mitt Romney, right? Like, seriously, it, it hasn't been that great of a state for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's just it's different than what people think. But um, there is some good news that came out yeah. of it. So, yes, yes. And and for the. For the newcomers to the club of open carry, welcome. We we welcome you in with open arms. Um, though you're you can't legislate a right, you probably should get some education. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have you have the freedom to do it now, but maybe you know we've talked about it before. Same thing in Idaho, where you know you have the 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 right to do it now um, without any now kind you of. Have the Percussions, but you have the responsibility now too, right? And we've talked about that several times. The the actual, you know, heavy uh, reality and responsibility of carrying a firearm. You need to make sure that you know you know what that entails and that you have the training and the skills to to go along with that. Yeah, indeed. So that's uh, that's important. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's a big step, I would say, in the in the world of firearms and. Uh, especially kind of near and dear to our hometown. Now, was it um, anybody who can carry a firearm nationally or do you have to be a, a Utah citizen to make this happen? Let's see here. I didn't get too far in the article because we got busy. What'd you see, Nick? I believe it said you're resident of Utah. Yeah. And so it doesn't take effect until uh, May. May 5th is when it's going to happen. So there's still a little bit of time, which, I mean, it's really not that far around, but, um, wow. It only says individuals 21 years or older can carry concealed without a permit. So that's kind of vague, but I mean, let me pull this, the bill up while you guys talk amongst yourselves here. For a well, second. because I think with an Idaho permit, we can carry in, um, in Utah, no problem, right? Uh, if you have the enhanced, correct. If you don't have the enhanced, no, yeah. Because I remember we used to teach the Utah class. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And fees. We don't have to worry about fees here. So I don't know where. This is just a regular concealed carry permit. Yeah. And wow. that's one of the good things about the Idaho concealed carry permit is that you can actually carry in most states with um, a couple of exceptions, most of which you would probably wouldn't be surprised about, like New York, California, Illinois. Oregon's another big one that a lot of people um, you might think you could, but you actually have to uh, have to oh, get the Oregon permit for that. And here is something I did want to share about this Utah thing, which is uh, fantastic. I'd be surprised if the Oregon permit becomes a lot harder to get in New Year's. Yeah, I'm surprised they still issue them out of state. Um, yeah. You sissy. Where did I read that? So one of the things that this bill provides, which I thought was awesome. Gosh, where is it? Is there also with the concealed carry permit fees every year, 50% of those fees collected go to suicide prevention, which is something that they're not talking about on the news with this bill. Oh yeah. I did actually read about that, which I think is pretty important. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Transfer of unused funds from the concealed weapons account. To division of substance abuse and mental health for suicide prevention efforts. That is awesome. That is important. Very, very important indeed. So awesome. 
yeah, man. So, um, some good news, uh, for our neighbors to the South, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot going on nationally that may or may not happen. And, uh, you've got to watch out for that. And like we talked about, you know, join the, um, your local gun rights group, um, and, you know, firearms policy coalition, um, you, you know, like Steve said, even the NRA is, is everybody's just, Coming together, I guess, in the firearms world is oh, uh, is a man, good thing. Something I com- man, completely forgot about the NRA even thing. So maybe you guys read this too. There's a district judge that's uh, that's in the NRA. He's a life member of the NRA, or maybe he's even on the board. But for somehow, he didn't even know about all the crap that's going on. Well, just this last week, he told the FBI to investigate all the mishandled funds by Wayne LaPierre. <laughs> Oops. No, it needs to happen. Wayne needs to go. Yeah, it's. it doesn't seem like the NRA is what it used to be, and that's unfortunate. It's, a, it's a cash cow for the board is what it feels like. And I could be wrong, but they have definitely done some things they shouldn't have been doing. Well, I didn't vote for Wayne. I voted for Ted Nugent. And did you get your election ballot for this year? I, I didn't get I don't think I'm a member anymore. Because I'm a life member, and it's the life members that get to vote, but I haven't seen anything on voting. So well, maybe I actually, I am a life member, but I've moved so many times that they don't call me or send me stuff anymore. It might be because they don't have my address. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Oh, well. So, good or bad, I think that's a good thing. Uh, they do need to be held accountable for misusing funds, because yeah. that's money that could be going to our gun rights. Yeah, and actually going towards yeah legislation and helping things out for us. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of other places, you know, like we've talked about um, Idaho second amendment Alliance and um, firearms policy coalition. Um, you know, a lot of other, I think organizations that are fighting about this. And one thing I would say too, is that, you know, we, I think in order to make the best impression, especially with a lot of new gun owners is to, um, I saw this as a, uh, an Instagram post from grand thumb. If you guys are familiar with him at all, um, <laughs> you mean why, when he unbuttons his shirt and talks about things in his videos, right? It's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, he actually posted the, the white house, uh, statement and talked about, um, you know, going through different organizations or whatever. Um, but also, um, he said, be logical, be humble and be kind. Always answer, uh, with consideration. Let's make the argument about the universal right to arms and not cheapen it with logical fallacies. And I thought that that was smart because, you know, as easy as it is to, to make fun of people and to, and to talk crap back and forth or whatever, you know, it goes back to being a, a good steward of the second amendment and taking the high ground, no matter what other people might be doing. Um, I think that's going to help, you know, defend the, the right to defend ourselves more than anything else, you know? Yeah. Well, remember a few weeks back when they were going to make uh, pistols illegal or whatever. They or the ATF was up to some hijinks. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people said, oh, just copy and paste this letter, right? Don't do that. Write stuff down in your own words. Be respectful. They're they're gonna see something. Oh, this looks just like the last three thousand that we got. Just throw it in the trash. Throw no. Out. Be you gotta be individuals. We have to stand up for who we are, and we have to let people know that we're just normal Americans that are exercising our rights. 
Well, and if you just tell your story in your own words, I mean, that's going to carry a lot more weight than copying, pasting a letter or whatever, because especially now in the age of like bots and automation and stuff, who's to say that, you know, somebody couldn't come up with a way just to have a bot send, you know, 10,000 letters or whatever. And then that kind of defeats the purpose of what we're trying to do. So, um, yeah. What do you do when you get a chain email? (laughs) It automatically deleted. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, of, you know, making sure that, you know, you are, doing the right thing and trying to be the best um, steward of the second amendment that you can be. And, you know, it does have um, an effect because the ATF backed off real fast and, um, and got out of that, that mess. So. Yeah. I think that probably came out a little sooner than they were, they were meant it to. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, and maybe you guys can disagree, but I don't think it matters necessarily who is, uh, in office either way. It's, there's always a fight to be had for, uh, for what we've got. Yeah. Yeah. It's a necessity. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting times for sure, but, uh, that that's not much different than it has been last year or the year before or the year before that. We've we've been doing this for a while, I think. Yeah, for years in every administration. Yeah, there's been something. Yeah, so it's uh, let's make sure we stay on that. And um, like we said, talking about uh, uh, the different organizations you can join and and writing letters and all that. You know, that's those are all important things. I think so. Um, do we have any other news going on? Any other current events? I think that kind of covers most of it. I I have another thing. Please this, share this, share this with the make, class. This will make one listen. Well, maybe he doesn't listen. I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of Round Hill Group? Does that name sound familiar? Uh. Uh-uh. So the Round Hill Group is who bought Remington firearms. Okay. Uh, they just applied or obtained a federal firearms license. So guess that what that means. Means they can buy, sell, manufacture they, firearms. They can manufacture. So, uh, in Illinois, they, own, they own Remington. That didn't come with an FFL. That's weird. No, it didn't just transfer over, huh? That's huh. kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in Ilion, New York, they have Remington has a manufacturing facility for the 870 shotgun. So, Roundhill Group, now they are going to be manufacturing. This this story was a few days old, February 4th, so yeah, 10 days old. So they figured by March 1st, they will be doing production. Really? So we were going to see some new Remington Roundhill 870s. Hopefully the quality is a little bit higher than what we've seen in the past. Hopefully the quality is like they used to be. Right, exactly. No plastic trigger guards, Roundhill. <laughs> yeah, and nothing that rusts after like two months of being in a safe. It's a duck gun. It shouldn't rust. Yeah, I've seen that. Actually, I've, I've seen that online of people buying relatively brand new uh, shotguns um, from Remington, and they've been rusted up just by sitting there, which is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. So are they well, going to maintain production in New York? Uh, I would assume, yeah, that uh, this facility in New York is, is going to keep going. So I don't know. Well, if it's all there, I mean, it wouldn't, it would make no sense really to move all of that or to, to build a brand new facility and um, start well, let's from scratch. Be, let's be honest. I wouldn't, manufacturers I wouldn't don't manufacture always do anything in New York. <laughs> yeah. Well, well there's the matter of principle, I guess, but if it is right there, then <laughs> look, look what a big name firearms company did to a little name suppressor company from Boise. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's unfortunate, but true. Yeah, they yeah, went. The, pro- the, the problem, too, was that that suppressor company didn't do any manufacturing for themselves. So yeah. pulling that in house <laughs> made more sense to them. And you don't, you don't necessarily pull the manufacturing in house and then not take the sales as well. Yeah. So there, there's a little different story there, but I mean, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, that could be some good news. We might be getting some, some high quality or uh, what we're used to um, Remington's well, again. Hopefully it's a little better quality. And, and the reason why I said the listener, I mean, that should make old Ram, old man Rob's ears perk up a little bit. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> So we'll see. And between that and and uh, CZ buying Colt, maybe uh, maybe there'll be some good American firearms again. I hope so. I mean, there's some good ones. There but. are, there are. But uh, you know, it's it's sad to see you know hallmarks of American firearm manufacturers. Um, you know, their reputation and and their quality just kind of go into the toilet. You know what I mean? It's just kind of makes you sad. And it's nice that there might be a second yeah. chance for that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we'll see who knows what the future holds. Maybe we'll all have to buy shotguns as it is anyway. <laughs> as long as they are not semi-automatic and hold less than 10 rounds. Yeah, actually, actually he's, yeah, he's, he's had three rounds when he was talking about shotguns last time. I was thinking yeah, that if, if I had a bunch of money, a Benelli M4 would be a great addition to my collection, but that might have to happen sooner rather than later. Now you never know. Yeah. Daggum. Oh, Nick, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying when when Biden said that about the the three rounds, he made a reference towards uh, why should why should the ducks movie be limited to three rounds on ducks and not three rounds for self defense? Something like that. I can't remember. What it was yeah, three. He said three rounds on people. We we protect yeah. geese more than our children. <laughs> <laughs> well, last time I heard, hunting kids was illegal. Yeah, really illegal. I mean, I mean and there, I mean if you if you were to shoot our children, I think that comes with a lot more penalty than if you like shot four ducks instead of three. Yeah. <laughs> but that's don't don't try to use logic. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I created a child blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I think on that note we will uh we'll close it out unless you guys have anything else. Nick, you've been quiet. Did you learn anything from this episode? I learned a lot from this episode, including that my internet here is getting upgraded tomorrow. (laughs) Nice. Because I I missed about a third of what you guys were saying because my (laughs) internet wasn't. Now you know how I felt. You'll just have to go back and listen to it then. Um. (laughs) I I always do. Well, there you go. Um, All right. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's close it out. If you guys have anything you want to add, uh, let us know. Podcast at iishooting.com or you can uh, find us on Instagram and Facebook at Range Minded Podcast. Uh, we always love hearing from you and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, you guys be safe. Take somebody shooting or even if you do some dry fire practice, that's okay too. That's better than nothing. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. All right, be safe. Bye. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. Find us online at Range Minded Podcast on Facebook or send us an email at podcast at iishooting.com. We're always happy to get feedback, episode suggestions, whatever you want to send us, really. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.